Welcome to Exhale, a podcast series where we explore topics on respiratory care. Your hosts are Mark Russell, Marketing Communication Manager, and Jansen Lanier, National Sales Manager and Respiratory Therapist for Vitalograph US, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. As the year ended, Mark and Jansen had a chance to interview Autica Service Skyta. Autica is the founder of HelmetBasedVentilation.com and is a Vision Circle member at Space of Humanity. She was involved in the successful testing of the helmet ventilator in the ICU department at the University of Chicago during a three-year trial study. Welcome, Enrica. Appreciate you coming here on our podcast. Thank you, Mark, for having me here. I'm very excited to share my knowledge about helmet-based ventilation and to tell your listeners more about it. Great. Well, why don't you give us a little background on yourself, education, experience, and what's your current responsibilities right now? My name is Aurika Savitskaita. I'm a registered nurse. Uh, I also have a Master of Science in Nursing degree. And I worked uh, as a registered nurse and as a patient care manager at the University of Chicago Medicine. And I was uh, one of the lucky ones who was working with patients who used helmet-based ventilation during the three-year trial study that was led by Bhakti Patel and her colleagues. So this is where I learned about the helmets and how it can be used for the non-invasive ventilation. And uh, actually I wrote my capstone paper about non-invasive positive pressure ventilation for treatment of acute respiratory failure in immunocompromised patients. So this is a quick what I did in the past, but in 2020, when the pandemic started, I was working for our family business that is not related to medicine at all. And in March, uh, uh, my husband and I and my sister-in-law, we created a website, helmetbasedventilation.com, where we put together all the information about uh, helmets, uh, how to use them, and uh, help clinicians to apply them in uh, their ICUs during the COVID. I'm a founder of this website, and since then, uh, I've been uh, running the helmetbasedventilation.com, meeting a lot of experts in that field, and also connecting with manufacturers and learning more about this type of device. So what drew you to helmet-based ventilation? So... First of all, uh, I saw a great results uh, of the three-year study that was done at the University of Chicago, and it was actually published in JAMA in 2016. So it was already impressive. And when the COVID started, I just remembered how easy it is to use the helmet for the non-invasive ventilation. And the helmet has these great features. It's uh, like the only universally fit device that can allow patients to breathe normally without causing any pain, facial skin ulcers, and necrosis, which we know a lot of patients who are using face masks are having these issues. And it also allows you to keep the therapy uninterrupted while still allowing patients to eat and drink. And that can increase the better outcomes for these patients. Another feature that I love is that you can protect actually staff from spreading infection in the environment because the helmet has a very good seal 
So all the air that is leaving the patient is filtered out from the helmet. It's filtered out through the uh, HEPA filter. So these main features of this device really made me think, and I felt like it would be wrong not to share this with our US physicians. And now actually my website is very well known globally. So a lot of physicians from other countries are coming to the website and finding this information. So these probably the main features that made me to create this website and teach others about it. So this three-year study, who was uh, the person that started that study and what other details did they find out from that study? So the study was um, done at University of Chicago Medical ICU, and it was done by Dr. Bhakti Patel and uh, her colleagues. They had patients uh, with ARDS, so uh, pretty sick patients whose PF ratio was less than 200. And these patients required for eight hours or longer non-invasive ventilation. We had face mask uh, group of patients, which was about 39 uh, patients in the group, and helmet group, which had 44 patients in it. And what we noticed that uh, by using the helmet, we were able to reduce the endotracheal intubation rate in a helmet group. And it was 18% of patients in helmet group were intubated, where 62% of patients in the face mask group were intubated. So this was phenomenal findings, right? On top of it, when I, saw, when I talk about the acuity of these patients, these patients were immunocompromised. So as you know, this group of patients, they usually fail intubation or have a lot of complications if they get intubated. So the physicians had, they, they chose a really uh, very vulnerable group of patients who will benefit from non-invasive ventilation. Who are those patients? I mean, can you give us some examples? So uh, immunocompromised patients would be patients who had some type of cancer due to the chemotherapy or any other drugs or course of disease, their immune system was much worse. Mm -hmm. And uh, so also patients uh, who had uh, uh, any organ transplant. So because they have to take some medication that will reduce the immune system in these patients. And if you intubate them, they may develop complications much faster and much sooner. So their survival rate uh, is much lower. And this is what happened during the study. We noticed that ventilator-free days and ICU length of stay, also the hospitalization was much lower in patients who used the helmet. And on top of it, the hospital and 90-day mortality was much lower in a helmet group. And as you know, with invasive mechanical ventilation, we use a lot of drugs and there is a high risk of developing some complications like infection. So this is the main reason why they wanted to prevent these complications to happen in this group. And another great thing we noticed that with patients who used helmets, we were able to increase the PEEP up to 10 or higher 
So in uh, about 48% of the helmet patients, the PPOs used very high, which was very beneficial for them. Uh, where with the face mask, we were not able to keep that high PEEP to treat the patient. So these are like the main findings. And as I mentioned, because I was doing my clinicals actually at that time, uh, I was watching these patients and I was able to see it on the unit and see them going through their ups and downs during the disease and uh, actually avoid the intubation in most cases. Yeah, so the website is basically the medium to, to get the word out in regards to the helmet-based ventilation. Uh, are you working with any manufacturers currently for the helmet-based ventilations? Because I saw that there are a couple of different manufacturers. Very good question. And it may look like I'm uh, working with some manufacturers because I do speak about the helmets and their designs, but I don't work with any manufacturers. I usually just consult them or we uh, would uh, share their innovations that we did for the helmets. And this way I can just spread the word about the new helmet, about the new design or new features. So uh, if you are asking about conflict of interest, so I don't have that conflict of interest here. The only one thing that I have is that I really believe that helmet works and I really like them. But with manufacturers, uh, I have very good relationships and uh, I'm getting, like I said, technical information about helmets and uh, how are they used in different parts of the world. So this is how, how I'm connected with the manufacturers. Got it. Uh, so I do have a question. What, what is acute respiratory distress syndrome? So the patient with uh, acute hypoxemic respiratory failure or acute, acute respiratory distress, uh, it's, uh, there can be different types of it. So there is a type one, which is a hypoxemic, and it has usually just a normal or a low PaCO2. So carbon dioxide levels are pretty normal. But there is uh, oxygenation that is affected for these patients. And it happens due to the absence of gas exchange in flooded alveolar units, uh, which usually is caused by pneumonia or emphysema or acute respiratory distress uh, syndrome or ARDS. So in most situations, uh, increased oxygen therapy has little impact on the level of hypoxemia in these type of uh, respiratory distress. And this is why the continuous positive airway pressure therapy is uh, very sufficient and to recruit the flooded alveoli and increase the gas exchange. The CPAP therapy, that's where it can be very useful to use, to apply. There is another type two respiratory failure where hyperventilatory acute respiratory failure is present. So that happens when you have combination of hypoxemia and also severe hypercapnia, where happens due to the decreased CO2 clearance. And this is where uh, different uh, therapies are applied. And uh, this usually happens if there is uh, some airway obstruction like asthma or COPD or emphysema. Uh, so these patients require ventilatory support where they will need uh, higher volumes 
uh, lung volumes. Uh, so those usually are like a BiPAP therapy or uh, volume controlled ventilation and et cetera. So those would be two types of respiratory uh, distress, most okay. common ones. <laughs> sure. What was the percentage of helmets versus the older method of this type of ventilation system? Has the helmet just been new here in the last five years or, or what inspired them? Was it COVID or was it a possibility of, you know, like I said, a pandemic or is there other uses that we can provide for this helmet? So very good question. And I believe that a lot of listeners will be surprised to hear uh, that helmet actually been used for over 20 years in Europe, mostly in Italy. Okay patients in acute respiratory distress. And this is where Dr. Bhakti Patel and uh, our medical director, Dr. John Kress, learned about this technology from conferences by, you know, hearing about this device. And this is when we decided to do the study. And uh, after that it was done, nothing really happened in uh, the U.S. The study was very well recognized and taken every Everybody was uh, excited to see these uh, results, but uh, unfortunately, we didn't have helmets uh, uh, approved by FDA. So uh, helmets were used in uh, hyperbaric medicine treatments. This is device is still available in U.S., but you cannot use it in a hospital uh, due to FDA approvals. Now. What happened when the pandemic started back in 2020, uh, helmets got a lot of attention because, as you know, Italy was the first uh, European country that was hit by COVID, and a lot of hospitals used helmets there. They even banned the export of helmets from Italy to any other country during that time because all the hospitals were using helmets for many reasons. First of all, because it's uh, uh, easy to apply helmet CPAP therapy. And also, as I said, it protects the staff from getting the virus due to the great um, seal around the neck. So this is when U.S. looked at helmet-based ventilation again more closely and uh, started to use in the U.S. at that time off-label, the helmets that are used in hyperbaric oxygen treatments. And then in August of 2020, FDA EUA approval was given to two helmets in the U.S. So now physicians have no restrictions in the U.S. to use helmets in a hospital to treat patients in respiratory distress, to apply non-invasive uh, ventilation, CPAP therapy, or as a bi-level ventilation with a BiPAP. And has the popularity grown from that since the FDA, and is it being more widely used, or what, what is the status of that? So we already have one study done at Penn Medicine by Dr. Maurizio Sirida. He used helmets for his COVID patients who are overweight or obese. And he compared the treatment with high-flow nasal cannula versus uh, helmet patients. And he did notice how helmet CPAP was more superior to the high-flow nasal cannula for these patients. And also lowered the intubation rate and et cetera. So that was like one of the 
first studies for COVID patients who used helmet in, uh, in the United States. Also, hospitals like University of Chicago Hospital, they're using helmets in the ICU for patients who will require that long-term non-invasive ventilation. I just want to let you know that in Italy, we would use helmet CPAP for patients for two weeks sometimes. So you imagine that the, the comfort of the, for the patient is extremely important during that time because a lot of people will fail non-invasive ventilation because of the interface that is not comfortable, like, for example, face mask. It's very hard to keep the face mask for long periods of time due to the complication like uh, skin ulcers and pain and et cetera. That's what I was wondering, if what types of patients can't use this? So there are patients that will not be able to use face mask. And those are usually the ones with um, facial contours that will be difficult to fit the face mask. So usually the ones who have no teeth, uh, older population, also patients with uh, facial hair, with any trauma to the face, or even burn patients. So in Italy, we use helmets for the burn patients too. There is study from Italy that, that was done by Professor Forti, where we used helmets for the pre-admission. So patients in cardiopulmonary edema used helmet in ambulance before coming to the hospital. And we noticed also how well it was applied by the operators. So at that time, I believe they have nurses working in the ambulance. Also, we were not delaying the treatment for these patients. Definitely other patients with pneumonia or ARDS will use helmet, but you have to watch them very closely. So in an ICU setting where you are not far away from the ventilator, because as you know, delay in intubation is never a good outcome for anyone. So you always wanted to watch these patients closely and be ready to intubate if you see any signs of failure. There are patients who are post-op they can use helmets too, and especially, as I mentioned, for obese and overweight patients who will benefit from that PEEP, higher pressure. Helmets are even used for weaning off the mechanical ventilation. So if you have someone on a ventilator and you wanted to make that transition from the ventilator to the extubation much easier, and not to fail that extubation, you can apply a helmet right away after you take the tube out. Also, palliative care or do not intubate patients, they benefit from that too. And as I mentioned, because of uh, comfort, they are able to have it for longer periods of times. And when we talk about DNI or palliative care patients, there was study from Italy where they used for the COVID patients who didn't want it to be intubated, and we still saw about 28% uh, positive outcome in patients who used helmets. Another, in, like I said, the ambulance uh, is a good place to use helmet and also any transfer via air. So in the U.S., there is a air medical transport that use uh, helmets when we're transferring patients, especially COVID patients. Because you imagine you in a helicopter, 
uh, and you don't want any everyone to be exposed to COVID and also have that therapy uh, uninterrupted for the patient. So those would be main uh, group of patients who would benefit from this interface. Okay. So when you are working with some of these hospitals and groups that, uh, that utilize your website and so forth uh, to talk about uh, helmet-based ventilation, do you offer any type of training or in-services? Yes, I do. I put a lot of work and time in creating an online course, uh, which includes uh, uh, all the evidence-based uh, data in it and also protocols that have been used for many years in uh, hospitals by the experts. Also, it has videos on how to apply the helmet, how to remove, how to take care and troubleshoot. Clinicians uh, from different areas can learn how to manage the patient, how to win the helmet-based ventilation, also nurses, how to take care of these patients, and for the respiratory therapist, how to set the settings on a ventilator or a BiPAP machine, or even uh, oxygen blender. So this can be used without any machine. You can connect the helmet to high-flow nasal cannula like uh, OptiFlow, and it's gonna give you a CPAP therapy for these patients. So all of it is in an online course, which is available now at the, on the helmetbasedventilation.com. Another thing that I did in the last almost two years now, is uh, I consult uh, clinicians via Zoom call or I come to the hospital and do presentations and do a hands-on training with a helmet interface. So you can also find more information online and uh, you can contact me. I'm always here to help more hospitals and units to adapt this technology, which is very simple but still the learning curve is there. So if you wanted to lower that learning curve and get the success better and faster, my course and my consultation can help you to achieve that. Well, I tell you, this has been fascinating. You know, I didn't know anything about the helmet-based ventilation system. And, you know, to me, this is exactly what we need to get out to our audience on the podcast because new and innovative things that are out there. And it seems like with COVID here the last couple of years, it's wonderful that things are kind of on a fast track to help out patients get a better outcome. Is there anything else that uh, you would like to tell the audience about uh, your, your program? I really wanted to ask everyone who's listening to this podcast to share information about Helmet Interface and to share with people who are decision makers who can really change the way we work, the way we treat our patients in a more efficient way. We can save more lives. And another thing that is going to also benefit the hospitals is that you will save money. As I mentioned from a study that was done at University of Chicago by Dr. Bhakti Patel, they calculated how much more money you can save by using helmet. And uh, I'm really uh, excited to hear that we can uh, save about 450 million US dollars per year if we use helmet instead of a face mask. Again, for the specific group of the patients. 
which uh, you can learn from a course that I have online, which patient will benefit a helmet interface. That's great. I tell you, well, of course, you know, healthcare costs are at a, a real peak right now. And, and any way that you can get a better outcome on your patients and save money at the same time, it just sounds like a win-win situation. You know, as a, as a nurse who worked at the bedside for many years and saw many patients who use non-invasive ventilation, I also can uh, say that helmets will reduce that workflow for the for the nurses and respiratory therapists. Sure. This is another thing that I really want everyone to care is about clinicians, about the uh, medical staff that are now working long hours and uh, are very tired and burnout. So if we can do something to help them to lower that workload and still reach great outcomes for the patient, that's a win-win situation. Absolutely. You're spot on on that. That's great. Well, again, we appreciate you being on this podcast, and we will definitely put more information about your website and let everybody know, and hopefully this will take off and save more lives and save more money in the, in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have been listening to Exhale with Vitalgraph. Your hosts are Mark Russell and Jansen Lanier. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you're wanting more information about Attica's helmet-based ventilation program, visit her website at helmetbasedventilation.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on Exhale with Vitalgraph.